another episode of the anarchist experience episode 428 aka year nine week four uh coming at you this week as always i'm your host mr richie rich along with mc and ks and since this is your regularly scheduled saturday broadcast uh we are live on clubhouse uh we do the show around 3 p.m or at least i start the club around 3 p.m eastern time saturday afternoons uh, so if you want to participate, that's where it's at. And you can always find the club, the anarchist experience or at me at riches for rich, R I C H E S the number four R I C H. And then I will hit the little invite button when we get started. So find us there on Saturday afternoons. Uh, KS, you just got back from a, a I'm going to, I don't know for lack of a better term, a freedom trip, another one of your international escapades to talk about freedom liberty and free markets and whatnot so i always like getting a little debrief when you get back how things went what's the status where you were and i think this time you were in mongolia that's right that's right almost didn't make it with the passport issues previously discussed yeah (laughs) you just reminded me of how stupid that was and you know the the politicians know it's all gummed up but they provide you an out they'll give you the favor of putting you at the head of the line if you beg them you know you plead with them oh please help me with this oh okay we'll help you with this we don't help you by making it unnecessary we help you by helping you get ahead of the line of all the other people who didn't think of asking us (laughs) sounds par for the course for politicians (laughs) right right but we were at one point the the week that you were gone um, you know, I knew you had the passport issues, and so we started this show. I was like, is KS going to make it? And MC was like, I have no idea. I don't know where he is. I'm like, wasn't he supposed to be in Mongolia? He's like, that's right. I'm like, so I assume the passport situation resolved itself, you know, in some form or fashion. So you made it to Mongolia um, <laughs> yeah. with with the, you know, with the help of politicians, right? They, the old <laughs> yeah. the old Harry Brown thing, right? They they break your legs and give you a crutch and say, if it weren't for us, you wouldn't have been able to make it to Mongolia. <laughs> exactly. Well put. <laughs> yeah, and it was a fantastic experience. I mean, the Free Market Academy, hosted by the Silk Road Foundation, and I mean, and that's some really really wonderful libertarian people there. Well, um, you know, they're uh, they're doing all kinds of stuff. They're translating all kinds of. Uh, uh, books by Austrian economists and Ayn Rand, and uh, um, and I just saw another book that they translated about the global warming um, uh, issue that was um, an excellent translation. And anyway, so um, uh, and was there were, a theme to the event? Like, what was what was? Well, the, the Free Market Academy was. I, I think I gave seven presentations out of the out of 10 maybe 12 um that were yeah that were done and um the the, the theme was um 
free markets and prosperity, and then all different aspects about it. I, I talked about my immigration. I talked about money and banking, um, government's uh, price controls, uh, government's regulations, government taxes, and then government alternatives to, I mean, and alternatives to government uh, in lots of in all the other areas. So, and and uh, the students had uh, some interesting interesting questions. After it was all over, then I too I was invited to speak to the main planning institute for the for the city of Ulaanbaatar, and um, they were open to free market ideas too. I mean, they, yeah, um, yeah. I I found it very very friendly environment for free market ideas. I mean, they, I was there first in nineteen ninety two when when the Soviet Union first collapsed. Mongolia was a separate country, but it was under total Soviet domination. And when the Soviets departed, it was a shambles. It was a broken down, dirty, dysfunctional country with nothing there. And I'd say that in the past 30 years, it's, it's uh, become really prosperous and successful by comparison to, well, I mean, in a way, you, if you've been to China, you see a lot of the prosperity in certain cities of China, and, and that's the way it is in, in Mongolia too. All right. uh, but, but much less government dominated than in China, and there is no Communist Party. There is a good democracy that elects uh, fools and then elects uh, people that kicks them out. Right now they've got the guy who kicked them out. So you frequently go on these international excursions to discuss free market ideas around the world. Do you think that those that attend those conferences or the the populace in general is more receptive to the ideas of freedom and liberty and free markets than your typical American? And if so, uh, what do you think is the cause of that or, or not? Yes, I think they are more receptive than Americans. I, that's why I, I enjoy teaching abroad. I teach here, and I think people who who live in America kind of hear the free market mantra so much, even the politicians, that they they assume that this is that the U.S. is as free market as you could possibly get. So uh, you know they take it for granted, and they and they. Um, Shrug and the disinterested in the whole in all the arguments about it and how the the creeping interventions um, um, undermine it and bring it down. But in those countries, they don't take it for granted. They're they're pretty excited about it. It's in, it's new territory for them. And and uh, you know I yeah just two months ago I was in Uganda. Same thing there. Everybody there was hungry to hear how this system of free markets works. And uh, uh, and but in my my own classes, you know, pretty much uh, disinterested in those notion of free markets. Of course, I'd say also a lot of the, when when people are older, they tend to have a more mature attitude towards it because they've seen how the world dysfunctions. Okay. And you're comparing that to your college class. I don't know the age yeah. of people that are showing up to these presentations overseas. Um, they were probably average age, I'd say about 25. Okay. Oh, so not much older. I mean. Well, 18 to 25 is a big difference because then they're out of college and they're, they're starting in business themselves. They're either, a couple of them were entrepreneurs, but most of them were, um, actually they were, many of them were sponsored by their companies to come. Okay. 
And uh, so the companies paid the fee, but they came with a good, uh, pos- positive, responsible attitude towards... Um, Maybe it's just that I'm touch. old now that 18 to 25 doesn't seem, <laughs> doesn't seem like as big a jump as it used to. <laughs> well, yeah, unless you're 18 to yeah. 25, then you're... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we're yeah, we're 18, old fogies, yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought these were adults in their 30s. <laughs> so wait a second so when they look at us uh and you know anybody over 30 they 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 think we're all all old and and you think because they're they're under 25 that they're all young oh, yeah yeah <laughs> they're, they're all the same <laughs> yeah no totally <laughs> it's you know it, it's a it's a matter of perspective right sure like I'm, I'm super old to the really, really young, right? But uh, people older than me, are like, oh, you still got a lot to live, and like, no, not true. I'm <laughs> like eighty percent done, you know, with the good stuff. <laughs> so you have these conferences. The people there, they're receptive to the ideas. They like the freedom. Um, they like the free market ideas. Do they have a government then? Right, that will support that because obviously, you know, it'd be it'd be nice if everywhere they just overthrew the government, right, and instituted free market principles and ideas. But that's far be it for that to be the expectation. So if if we're pitching these ideas and they're receptive to the ideas, do they have a I'm going to say a fighting chance of implementing the ideas there? Yeah, I I do I do because they're 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 new enough to the whole thing that they see that a lot of changes occurred because of the, of the market and economic activity. They're very skeptical of politicians. They've seen the corruption. They've seen the perversions of um, uh, the lies and, and, and that sort of thing. They get, you know, uh, you know, they can get whipped up into a, a frenzy about certain things like, like, uh, the previous president uh, made everybody panicked and fearful about China, so they, um, you know, they got on his side about cutting off this railroad to China. But it was it was the railroad was this main link for trade, opening up trade, and uh, and then you know they can you know they, the politicians say we don't want any outsiders uh, owning our land or or our, our companies, uh, mining companies or something like that. And so they get whipped up into that sort of thing, but they can just—they're new enough to politics. I think that they can uh, get it the other way around because there's a, as long as there's, well, one thing that's happening is that apparently the Russian oligarchs and Putin have played a big game in trying to manipulate um, public opinion in Mongolia, uh, okay. just like they did probably in Ukraine and other countries around their their borders. They're, um, you know, doing a lot to whip up um, um, enthusiasm for pro-Russian leaders, and uh, but uh, the people I spoke to knew well about it. I mean, it wasn't a secret; they they were aware of it, and and uh, and and the guy lost in the last election. Okay, 
So if those, uh, again, other countries, in this case Mongolia, tend to be more receptive to the ideas of freedom and liberty, more able to implement them on a local level, uh, do you foresee them at some point in the near or distant future becoming you know, the, the uh, lighthouse for freedom or the torch for freedom on the global stage, or is this just you know, an unlikely occurrence? No, it's it's already happening. They're they're growing at uh, I don't know something like seven percent a year, which is phenomenal. They're also getting the, the kind of inflation elsewhere is having. Um, I'd say the, the the a lot of my friends there were at at the start when when the Soviet system collapsed. They were right there at the beginning of market. Act- changes that that transformed their lives they they became fabulously prosperous with the uh, economic changes and very very hardcore libertarian publishing all kinds of uh, books on on real hardcore libertarian stuff you know Rothbard and and Skousen and and uh, Rand and I mean you name it lots lots of books and in in Mongolia and translated too and then uh, um, what discouraged them was that a lot of times their friends who were libertarian got into politics with this ideal of, of you know, trying to open up the markets. They became easily corrupted. So then they turned, you know. So that's the thing that they, that worries them the most, that uh, you get people elected on free market libertarian rhetoric and then they turn once they're in. Well, and I guess that happens yeah. in the U.S. too. <laughs> Duh. Right. Yeah. The, the, the machine is more powerful than the individual, right? Absolute power corrupts absolutely all those cliches, right? But even, even here on the local level in New Hampshire, right, which is supposed to be, you know, the number one free estate, the, you know, the, the political capital of all things libertarian, right? And some of them get elected right to office and you know i've i've spoken to some of them as well in you know private conversations i go like now that you're in right what's stopping you from just proposing bills that are pro-freedom and to their credit um recently at least at least one or two of them are responsible for the the secession bills that have been introduced obviously squashed but they finally, you know, did something bold and brash, right? But the answer that I've gotten before is, well, we can't introduce anything radical because then we'll lose our political capital and then we won't be able to make any headway on the, like, the incremental changes along the way, right? So it doesn't become, it becomes less about um, pushing forward the ideals of liberty and freedom and free markets, Right. And more about, well, how do how can I maintain my small little office right without rocking the boat too much so we can get these smaller changes passed? Right. They they have no desire uh, to to make the big changes. Right. And one, you know, I, I think those are just different games. If, if you want to just stay with the ideal and impress the ideas, then you stay in the ideal shaping world, you know, social media, yeah. books, lectures and that sort of thing. If you're into the politics game. You you can't expect that also to be the ideal ground. You got to kind of choose because if you're going to be the hardcore idealist, um, well, it it runs against the 
the, the, the pattern of politics, that what it takes to put together coalitions enough to get enough votes to get elected. Now, that's why I like the parliamentary systems of Europe and all the, almost all the rest of the world compared to the U.S. winner-take-all system. Um, because in those countries, you can be idealistic, win 1% of the votes, and have a voice. Sure. But you can't in the U.S. winner-take-all system. You've got to win uh, 51% of the vote to take a seat anywhere. And that's um, much harder to be idealistic than Yeah, so it becomes principle. a compromise on principles, right? It becomes a, yeah. it becomes a corruption towards the ideals. Right. Well, we can't do that because I'll lose my political capital. I must vote this way and stay within party lines. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, what's the point of running then? You're just as good. You're just as bad as whomever else would have been in office if you're not going to do anything different, right? In order to keep your political power and your, you know, your your uh, political capital. Right? What's the point? I I could get that out of anybody. Right, you were specifically chosen as one of us, right? By those who vote, right? Because you were different, and it turns out you're not, right? You're just mm-hmm. like again, you know, the the exception being who I don't remember the name, but whomever said, you know what, I'm in. Let's let's now's the time to propose secession, right? Let's mm-hmm. make this happen. Now that was a big deal, right? Right. And I don't know how much political capital he lost because of it. Maybe none. Hopefully none. Right. But at least right. at least at least he got in there and, you know, tried to move the goalpost over the Overton window since that's a big talking point of an acceptable conversation. Right. Like, no, secession is on the table. It's on the table. It will stay on the table. We're not going to not talk about this anymore. Right. Gone are the days of, you know, maintaining our political capital and not talking about the important stuff. We're just. We're going to talk about it as long as, you know, we hold the seat. And hopefully, right, those that care enough, right, will continue to vote them back into office as much as they're allowed uh, so that they can continue to talk about it because that's the point. And if not, you know, if their term is up, then someone else takes up the mantle and does the same thing, right? So it's a continuous process of inundating them with ideas of liberty and freedom and free markets and so on and so forth in the political sphere, if that's your thing, right? Mm-hmm. I I personally don't participate in that, um, but I watch it, right? I go, why would I, right? Until you're doing this stuff on a regular basis, why would I? Mm-hmm. And I think I don't. I thought I overheard someone fucking talking about this, and I've pitched this idea a, a while ago, so I may have misheard the discussion as I was eavesdropping. Uh, I don't even remember where at this point, um, but the you know. My idea, not ideal, but my idea was if you're going to get into office, right, as, mm-hmm. a, you know, as a libertarian running under whatever D or R you get into locally, right, let's mm-hmm. just propose, let's start, if we're going to start small, right, just propose the things that are already legal somewhere else, right? Let's start there. If Mississippi mm-hmm. can do it, we can do it, right? If there's better laws for some level of freedom in you know, Oregon, right? Let's start, let's work that here. Look, let's look at Oregon as the example and as the example and go like, well, they haven't exploded, right? They're, they're still doing what they do. So let's, let's take that from there. Let's take all the stuff, 
right? All the all the freedoms that are more free elsewhere and just bring them here. And then by default and by proxy, right, we will become the absolute most free uh, because there is nothing that you can do elsewhere that you wouldn't be able to do here, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except maybe San Francisco. What do you mean? You're free to steal stuff. Oh, yeah, well, that's... <laughs> That's entirely different. That's that's because San Francisco has passed laws that allow theft, right? And and you know, protect criminals instead of property owners. I, I assume they have strict gun control laws too. Of course they do. It's California. California is one of the worst. I can't imagine San Francisco being you know any less so. Yeah, I, I like their their idea with uh, put uh, putting everything behind locked. In locked cages, so somebody can't run in and yeah. steal it. You have to, uh, but I, I don't know why they didn't just check everybody at the door. At the door, you know. But anyway, well, because because then you're hiring security on everyone on the way out, and I don't know if you've seen the 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 um, shoplifting flash mobs, right? It would just turn into that. Well, if you check everybody's ID at the at the door, then oh, then you've, then you've got. Every, you know everybody coming in so oh yeah if you want to check id fine right but the the pro- the problem with the law and this goes for like new york city's soft on crime laws as well mm-hmm. right is they check you check the id you call the police right the police arrest them the prisons are overcrowded so they can't hold them on you know they can't they they release them on the ror released on own recognizance right until their trial date right and then they're back on the street and they go to another store and they shoplift again because the threshold's not large enough to give them a real bail, um, nor, do, nor do they have the capacity to hold those smaller crimes in prison until trial. So it's, it's not like they're not being arrested or they haven't been arrested, right? A lot of them have a rap sheet of misdemeanor petty theft, you know, pages long, right? Because there's no penalty after the fact. Right, and the courts are overwhelmed with all the other nonsense that they do, so they miss their right to a speedy trial, and it just gets you know, or the prosecutor decides not to move forward with it because who cares about a you know a five hundred dollar shoplifting thing at Walgreens? Right, we've got thirty of those just this week, you know. So yeah, it's, well, still, if you had one one guy checking IDs and you know, and the guy at the door has a gun. Well, yeah, well, that's different, right? <laughs> that, the whole guy at the door with a gun changes the dynamic, <laughs> right? You know, uh, there's there are gun shops here in New Hampshire, and one of them is the Sig, Sig Sauer Academy. And I've only been there a couple of times uh, years ago at this point to buy ammo, right? And they check you at the door, right? There, there's, you know, there's, there's a foyer, right? And you step into the foyer, and before they unlock the door for you to come in, right, they take your picture, you know, so they, they've got positive ID on you. And they ask you what your business is or what, you know, whatever. And then, you know, once, once there's not enough people in the store, they let you in and you can go shopping. So that, you know, they, if, if you wanted to do that at Walgreens, right, security checks and scans everyone who walks in, you know, fine. Right, you're you are being monitored in the entire premises. There's, we're only letting five people in the store at a time, right? Sorry for the convenience. You could do that, you know, 
but for uh, you know stores like Rite Aid or Walgreens or any sort of you know grocery store or you know pharmacy like that, right? How is that is even that profitable, right? As opposed to just closing up shop, going like, yeah, there's no way we can make money because the security measures we would have to put in place are just as cost you know just as costly as letting them steal, right? Either well, way, we lose. That money. has to be that has to be the ultimate solution. Just just close up shop and go somewhere else because if they're, um, I, I have a, a a friend who's a manager at the Long's drugstore uh, here, and he says that there's there's just absolutely nothing he can do if somebody just piles up stuff in his uh, in his basket and then just walks out of the store. Yep. He says there's nothing he can do. So he, he has these strategies of when he sees somebody doing that um, or has somebody in the store notifies him, hey, there's somebody you know, just piling up stuff in the grocery bag. You know, he goes over to him and he starts talking with him and he says, well, you know, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, he just sort of harass the guy about it in a way. Yep. But finally, they even... Even the um, the shoplifters figure, oh, it's too much of a hassle to have to go with this guy. I'll go down to the next store and do it. <laughs> yeah, that works. That is a strategy. That, that, that works. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know that any kind of system is going to, I mean, if the, if the uh, unless you could penalize them on the spot, take a finger or something like that for, for shoplifting, <laughs> uh, I don't see any way to, to stop it. Are you familiar with uh, Lululemon, either of you? No, haven't heard of Lululemon. Okay, there, MC, have you heard of them? I've heard of them. I okay. forget what they sell. There are uh, overpriced yoga pants for oh, the, yeah. the MILF crowd. And Lululemon apparently has a policy to not stop shoplifters at all. And so there was you a couple. The, there's a Lululemon store? Yes. That, that, oh, okay. And they sell yoga pants. Mm-hmm. So if you want a free pair of yoga pants, you just go to Lululemon and you take it because that's the policy. So the policy is you don't stop shoplifters at all. Like you don't interfere, but more so you don't even call the cops afterwards to report it because that's bad press for Lululemon. And so, you know, a couple of, of uh, or a couple of clerks at Lululemon, um, probably in California, uh, you know, got robbed. They followed the policy, right? They they didn't interfere. They didn't do anything. They just stopped out of the way. The, you know, shoplifter made a way, made way with uh, with you know a handful of yoga pants, and then they called and the started police. handing them out outside. Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> but, selling them outside. And then they started. They, then they called the police to report. You know, the shoplifting, and then they got fired for calling the police. <laughs> to report that they had been, you know, that they had been stolen from or, you know. And I don't know if it was armed, right? Like if they were in any danger, probably, but, you know. They they should have, the, the employees should have just stole the whole store. Sell everything out of the side. Sell everything out of pocket. Yeah, what are they going to do? I'll give you a 90, 90% discount if you pay me cash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are people that already do that, right? <laughs> no, say what you want about shoplifters, and I don't remember the, the exact statistic, but most, uh, maybe not anymore, but at one point in time, most of the uh, shrinkage 
was from employee theft. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Sure. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. And so. Yeah. That's right. I remember years and years ago, I was working for the J.C. Penney Company and got to talking with one of the security guards who's a you know incognito security guard. He walks around the store all the time to try and you know uh, watch out for theft and all. And uh, and he said, uh, yeah, the eighty percent of our our theft are from employees that know where he is and when he is and. And so he's got to always stand at the door or the exit for the employees. That's where he catches most of the stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, J.C. Penney's had these policies that you go in and and um, this woman would come in every year. She had like five kids, and she'd say the shoes uh, don't fit for all five kids. And they said, well, you know, when did you get these? Oh, we got them here last year. And, and I come in every year and tell you that the shoes don't fit the kids are growing <laughs> and we, we 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 want new shoes and so jc penny's said just give it to them if that's what they ask because they don't want the the employee associate um making judgments about these people and because you know you you lose um you know start losing customers get a bad rep, reputation they said that they had a a guy uh, a coach for a baseball team uh, little league baseball team. He'd come in and buy a whole bunch of bats just before the big game. The very next day, he'd bring them all in, return them all, and say they're all out of round. And J.C. Penney's, without questioning, would just, you know, um, match it. Of course, J.C. Penney's isn't doing well these days. I don't know if they're yeah. even still in existence. But I think there's one somewhere in shooting. New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, they're closed down everywhere else. But I haven't been to one since I was a kid. It's probably been it at was, least thirty years. He. James Cash Penny was the first to bring on that whole idea of uh, return. You know that you can you can return anything you're dissatisfied with, and yeah. and it was a real real positive success. It built lots and lots of customer uh, loyalty over the years. But of course, it was it got abused. Of it course, it got abused. Hurt them. The yeah. pro- the problem is if you if you maintain a policy like that, right? The abuse gets built into the price for regular customers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And they go like, well, why am I paying so much more for this? Well, because too many people are stealing it. And so you pay, you pay double. You, you've got the shrink tax attached to the price of your item now. Now on that employee side, you know, I might be guilty of this in a way um, because I believe that money is fungible basically. Right. So a couple of, I used to work at a salad restaurant and every, you know, every shift you work, you got to make a salad, right? Well, occasionally, uh, you get tired of salad and you want something else. Well, conveniently, there's a burger joint next door, right? And there's the cute girl that works at the burger joint next door. And every time she works, she gets a burger, right? You go like, well, you mm-hmm. get your burger, I'll take my salad, and we'll trade outside, Right? And I've never had a problem with that, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you give me a free burger, I give you a free salad, it's our employee meal, nah, it doesn't matter to me. And I also, I worked at a, a discount retailer, uh, it was called Tuesday Morning, um, kind of like a Ross or a Marshalls or, you know, one of those little more high-end, I guess they think, than those. Um, and we had an employee, and you get an employee discount, right? And we had an employee who would use her employee discount when her mom would come in and shop 
I went, uh, that's fine. Cause it, you know, you you could just as easily have your mom give you the money, right? You buy it, you take it home and we don't care. And you know, like who would know, right? If we made you jump through this extra hoop just to get the stuff at a discount. Well, the store manager put an end to that. He's like, no, you know, she's not allowed to use her employee discount for her mom. I go like, why not? You know, for, I gave him the same explanation, right? If her mom gives her a hundred bucks, you know, a hundred dollar bill and she comes in and buys a hundred dollars worth of towels on an employee discount and takes it home and gives it to her mom. Like how is, how is that functionally different than her mom coming in and giving you a hundred dollar bill and taking, you know, the employee discount on the towels? It's like, doesn't matter. Not allowed. Uh, all right. Well, fuck it. Just steal the towels then, you know, <laughs> Like if he, if he won't give it to you, you know, when he's not here, just take it and we'll mark it off. Cause that's dumb. And you know, I'm more about doing what makes sense than I'm about following procedures necessarily. It didn't happen often, but it was just, you know, one of those, one of those dumb things that bosses pay attention to that I don't give a shit about, but I never considered it theft or stealing, right? I considered the reverse, right? You, you're allowed and he's stopping you. And so how do you make it up when the boss isn't giving you what you're, you know, what you're allowed while you just take it, you make up for it elsewhere. I remember one time applying for some jobs, um, right out of college, I was sort of desperate for employment. So I was applying to, to be a stock boy at the dark drug store in Virginia. And another case to be, uh, uh, sort of a clerk at the Spencer uh, outlet and so on. And um, each time, twice, I had to take a lie detector tests before getting these stock boy jobs. And um, the, lie, the lie detector test, um, um, well, in the first case, it said, have you ever stolen anything from an, em- uh, from an employer? And I, being super sensitive about it trying to think did i ever even walk home with a paper clip or a pen from a from an employer and thinking maybe i did you know at any rate so it registered uh, i mean i don't consciously remember but who knows maybe i i, I walked home with a paper clip or a, a pen being hypersensitive about that and so i didn't pass that test uh, yeah and uh the second test i remember i mean because they've got the the thing around your your chest to test your your breathing rate, a, a blood thing to uh, on your finger, um, three different uh, ways that they're measuring your your sensitivity to the question. And another one is, uh, uh, do you do you have a uh, college degree? And uh, he says, well, uh, this registers badly here. I, you don't have your college degree. I say, well, actually, I do have. I have a graduate degree, but I didn't want to tell you about that because I thought you'd consider me overqualified and you wouldn't give me the job he says well you're right (laughs) so i i i did have the college degree but i had more advanced than i was uh letting on so i didn't smart thief but i i I lost those two jobs but i got a job in the government easily enough they didn't ask me if i lied because that's assumed (laughs) yeah i would think i would you know i mean again i'm i'm cynical Right, I would think anyone who who passes the "Have you ever stolen from work?" right is likely gaming the system, and for that very reason, right? There's there's so many little you know, knick knacky things 
that who care you know the, the the cost to companies so negligible right that it should not even count such as the paper clip you know or the pen right? oh no i accidentally walked out with it god you stole yeah technically well, sure yeah. but i mean there there are varying degrees if you if you're if you feel guilty about it because you have a conscience and and uh principles uh anything you walk out with a piece of paper is uh, technically um you're feeling guilty for but if you don't feel any guilt i guess the best way to pass those tests is just not feel guilty about any of the and and, and not consider it theft yeah well then, yeah. then you're hiring sociopaths and yeah right <laughs> which which is why i would rather you know i would rather have a conversation with the person who failed it right like let's talk about this how you know how bad was it is it anything we need to worry about Right, you weren't embezzling funds, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who cares? So you were on the freedom tour in Mongolia. Uh, there is a freedom festival upcoming here in New Hampshire in, I think, less than a week's time. I think Forkfest has begun, and Porkfest is soon to follow. And because I don't go, I really don't care about the dates too much. I just know when I my extra day off is upcoming i go sweet i don't have anything to do and there is some go ahead well i'm you know um every one of every one of these events has a different character you know like uh, they focus on different things and different have different kind of audience and that sort of thing and i've not been to those so i don't i don't know how you know how good they are um i've been to freedom fest many times and it's very worthwhile i I, yeah. I recommend it to people well i That's i told you ks <clears throat> if you ever come up to pork fest right i will go back just to hang out with you guys again <laughs> that sounds fun so <laughs> the, here's here's the problem though like the year that i went after mm-hmm. the fact they told me like oh yeah that was the worst one ever like that one was bad it was terrible <clears throat> you know mm. you should go again i go well First impressions mean a lot, and that was my first impression, and I was not impressed. So, to convince me, you know, to convince me to take a week off from work, right, spend hundreds of dollars a day on food, lodging, etc., right, after having driven three hours into the mountains and into the wilderness to hang out with the same people I hang out with in town, right, it's you got to do better than that. Uh, but recently it's gotten better, allegedly, right? I haven't gone, I don't have first-hand experience, but that what the, that's what they say. And the evidence that it's gotten better um, is it sells out relatively quickly. So if mm-hmm. this pork fest is any good, um, at the end of pork fest, people will already be booking their campground sites for next year. And the campground sites sell out faster than the pork fest tickets. So there is, you know, there are more people attending than there is available space at the campground. So if you're going to attend, right, you have to be Johnny on the spot for next year. And as soon as the Pork Fest tickets, you know, get announced, um, those sell out relatively quickly now as well. You know, with, within a month or two of the prices, you know, being on sale and going up and whatnot. And so it's been difficult for, you know, people have been looking for tickets and there's a secondary market because plans change and all that other stuff. Uh, but if you guys ever decide to come up to a pork fest, I will, I will make it a point to attend that one as well. Otherwise, I'm probably not going back anytime soon. But 
that is the that is the you know the festival here, right? It's it's the more relaxed version of what the Free State Project puts on. They put on Liberty Forum and Pork Fest each year. And Liberty Forum is, you know, libertarians dressed in poor-fitting suits pretending to be important and giving lectures uh, about economics and freedom and liberty and whatnot. And Porkfest um, turns the campground into an anarchist paradise, basically. If you can follow the non-aggression principle, you can basically do what you want uh, unabated at Porkfest. And, of course, that causes some division amongst people and there is a whole bunch of drama and hoopla going on this year uh one I mean, of is it like the old hippie uh um um parties where half the people run around nude and 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 drugged uh, or is it is it a different kind of thing that people get upset about so there is that concern i saw one post um earlier today on social media actually it's like is anyone else bothered that the nudist area is right next to where the children play? Right. So, <laughs> so yes, you, you could see that at pork fest and then, you know, what you do with it is between you and your family, right? If you, if you don't want to see naked, you know, naked adults, then migrate your kids somewhere else on the facility, right? It's it's a large enough campground, and there's not enough nude people to to dominate that. Um, but yes, and drugs drugs are in abundance, right? So you you know feel free to find someone to sell you just about anything you want. Um, I mean, within reason. I don't. How do I want to put this? I don't think there's a lot of heroin users and methamphetamine users at Porkfest, right? But there is a lot of marijuana. There's a lot of mushrooms and a lot of psychedelics because apparently that's what libertarians do with it reason. Um, you had a question? No, no, okay. no. So one of the big, one of the big points of contention this year is somehow, uh, Robert F. Kennedy jr. Has gotten a speaking role on the main stage at pork fest. Now pork fest is supposed to be, you know, the, the, the more anarchist styled convention, right? Like RFK might be good at Liberty Forum if you wanted to have him there in his suit. Uh, but Porkfest is definitely not the place for that generally in a lot of people's opinions. Personally, again, I don't go, so I don't care. I don't have a stake in, you know, I don't have a dog in this fight. Um, but I did think it would be funny, you know, seeing this how, oh, and here's the, here's the other point, uh, you know, with the, that is, most problematic with having him speak right it's an open it's an open uh campground right with events going on in many different areas one of which is the main pavilion right it's, it's covered um it's concrete you know there's a microphone and electricity and all that other stuff that doesn't really go with camping um, but it's there and so he's getting a main stage speaking engagement um and he is restricting um the the carrying of firearms into that vicinity whilst he's there, right? That was, that was his contingency, right? I will speak, but nobody is allowed to be armed. Well, it has not been uncommon at Porkfest uh, to see open carry everywhere, um, not just, you know, pistols and handguns, but, you know, uh, rifles, 
swords even, you know, what, whatever you'd want to carry in your real life that you're not allowed to or it's so societally frowned upon to do so, right, you can do there. And so this jabroni comes and says, like, well, yes, I know that this is the Freedom Festival, uh, but not during my speech. So there was a whole bunch of people up in arms. Um, and a sidebar for just a moment, there is a, there is a hill at Porkfest. If you look for old Porkfest pictures, if you look for the Porkfest group photo, you can find you know, so many years of this Porkfest group photo that they take. And it's on a, 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 a grassy hill overlooking the pavilion. Um, and so I just, it dawned on me this, you know, earlier today as I was doing other things, I go, man, wouldn't it be funny to just park, you know, a, a Lincoln convertible on top of the hill while he's giving his speech, just <laughs> as a little bit of a reminder, you know, of the family heritage. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I, when I told someone else this idea, the response I got back was, well, someone is planning um, a musical protest and they're just going to play like the dead Kennedys while he's speaking and get that as loud <laughs> as they can. And I thought that was in the same vein of funny. So I'm like, I'm for that as well. Me like you that. Uh, but I mentioned this pre-show uh, and UKS specifically said like, well, maybe not. Maybe he gets that everywhere. Maybe go a little light on the guy. Cause maybe he's got something important to say, or you were more of a fan than I would have anticipated so i wanted to open the floor up for that what is it about this guy that is so appealing to liberty-minded folks and why do you believe him well i i i can say that from the left uh he's the best that i've seen um because he's he's open to criticizing the the establishment so he's kind of like uh kind of kind of like what trump did Okay. Um, so, oh, and the left hate him here too. By the way, like there was the, yeah. the Democratic Committee of New Hampshire put out a thing that you know forbade him from showing up at Porkfest or some bullshit like that. And he's like, I'm fucking going anyway. Screw those guys. So <laughs> he is he is from the left, but also not well liked by the left. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if that's if well, that's your not, barometer, not, not by the establishment for sure. Sure. Um, and so anyway, he's he's specifically attacking the the cia because well they they killed his his uncle or you know allegedly <laughs> allegedly so um yeah and and and, that, and that's good because uh i you know if, if you haven't heard any of the conspiracy facts about the cia um should maybe maybe find out because <laughs> yeah yeah they're not they're not a very good organization and nor is the FBI and uh, you know we see that constantly with uh, you know their, their uh, attacks of either Trump or or yeah. uh, you know individual parents for uh, daring to question the the Pride Month <laughs> everything seems like a psyop when it comes to the CIA and the FBI yeah right like I don't. I don't trust anything when it comes well, to how, those political how can you? issues. It, well, when yeah. you have an org- organization that uh, exists with the specific power to have secrets and lie and create propaganda, um, yeah. yeah, you can't believe anything they say, and, and they should uh, go kill themselves. 
because <laughs> yeah. they're they're not they're not uh yeah like J, uh, RFK would say you know they have no place in a uh, in a free society so sure now uh, you know to to that extent we'll get back to the RFK thing because I still want to get KS's thoughts on it um, I saw a social media post you know this morning because the gun the gun issue is the big one right amongst the left right now and it was basically so, I don't know the whole story. But apparently some good guy with a gun, right, lined up his, you know, kids in public and just went down the road and killed his kids and wounded his, the kid's mother and his wife or whatever. Right. And might, so this so the good guy with a gun thing, you know, is out the window because here's not a mass shooter, but here's a here's what we would call a good guy with a gun doing bad things again, you know, and there, therefore me must ban them. And the first thing that went through my head, well, this has got to be a psyop, right? It's got to be. It, you know, it's anytime they're, they're so quick to jump on it as a matter of public perception and, and getting their agenda passed. Right. I just don't trust the official narrative. Right. It was highlighted again today. The, you know, the Las Vegas shooter, right. Are you familiar with this guy, the guy like from the casino window? Yes. Okay. And again, I don't, I don't have all the facts. This is, you know, meme talk on social media, but it, it makes you wonder right how he was able to get all that equipment you know up to the room disable the security camera and the fire alarms in a casino right remove 800 pounds of glass and then <laughs> fire upon a crowd unabated for 10 minutes right with no training and no motive right i go what okay i don't know what happened but what they're telling me happened probably ain't it and this, if this is true, supports that, right? How can you possibly believe that, you know, knowing that? And again, I don't, I don't know what the truth is, but I don't believe what they're telling me. And, you know, follow the money, you know, follow the agenda. And you go like, well, they're, they're clearly using this as a way to get other things passed, right? To, to strip away more rights, more liberties, more freedoms, and your guns in this case. Are you saying that it, you think that it's conceivable that it could be a conspiracy setting this guy up to get people to turn against guns? Well, yeah, because they, they go like, well, you know, he had, he was a good guy, had no criminal background, and had no motives, so he was able to buy the guns legally, right? And that's the thing. All these... All these shooters recently um, were able to procure firearms legally, right? And so the claim is that the legal way to acquire firearms is not stringent enough. We must close the grasp even tighter and make it more difficult to, you know, to obtain firearms in this country, right? With the end goal in mind of at some point closing that grasp so tight inch by inch Right, that is just impossible to to get any, and you know, having one is then illegal. So that every time, you know, every time there's a shooter, right? It's we need more gun control. You know, we need universal background checks. We need a database of gun owners. Yada yada yada. That'll solve it, right? And when that doesn't solve it, they they go more, right? It's these bump stocks, you know. It's it's these pistol braces. It's these triggers. That's 
we need to crack down on gun parts, you know, and then you have, then you have people, you know, uh, I'm going to say libertarian hero, Cody Wilson, right? Who they also tried to take down. And I don't, you know, I don't know his personal life or his personal preferences, right? But they, they, they tried to get him on like the underage prostitute thing. And I don't know how far that went and it hasn't been in the news recently, but they, they tried to pin that nonsense on him too, whether it was true or not. Don't know. Uh, but he's, he is now selling the 0% pistol and the 0% rifle. And it's basically, you know, they, they, they sell 80%ers or, you know, they, they call them 80%ers at least. And it's a mostly milled piece of metal um, that you put the final touches on and turn it into a firearm that doesn't have a serial number. Is that a, do you understand what I'm saying? Do I need to explain that better to either of you? Uh, no. Okay. Mm. So as they crack down on these, right, and they went after um, 80% arms, and I, I forget the uh, off the top of my head, I forgot the, uh, the name of the other one, you know, getting the customer database on who purchased these 80%ers, you know, so, we, so the, the ATF can go harass them. Uh, and so Cody Wilson said, like, okay, so here's the 0% gun, right? It's, it's just a hunk of aluminum. Now, it's just a hunk of aluminum, but here's the program if you buy one of my milling machines, right, that will mill it down to the fire control group of a Sig Sauer pistol, basically. Maybe a Glock. I don't remember. I think it's Sig. Um, because Sig has designed a pistol years ago um, where the, the, the registered gun part is just a hunk of metal, right within the frame you know with within the frame of the gun so you can get you can swap out grips you can swap out slides you can you can swap out and customize this thing to no end right and this little thin rail of metal that goes in right is what the atf considers to be the gun right and so cody wilson goes okay so we'll just make that right you buy a block of aluminum you know or whatever and put it in our milling machine and the milling machine, you know, the, the, the CNC milling machine that he sells, the ghost gunner, right. will mill out that part. And then you can go buy off the shelf, you know, with cash, no ID, no forms required, all the slides, grips, rails, uh, sights, triggers, anything you want, right. Is now off the shelf and you just drop this little bad boy in. And they can't do anything about it. It's a zero percent pistol. Your move, ATF, right? And so, back and forth we go. So what? What can they do in the end, right? They're they're going to try to make they're going to try to take away all the legal channels, right, for the average American to do this. And the only thing that's going to be left are these underground channels that have limited access. But we're glad they exist, right? Get a milling machine now, right? Get on the waiting list now uh, so that, you know, you, you'll have it later and can use it later um, when everything else is disallowed or before they take everything he's got, right, and go after him, you know, for his stock of machines and whatnot. And, but the plans are already up, so build your own, right? Get the, get the file online now uh, so that they can't stop you later and let that spread like wildfire through the Internet. But it's the zero percenter, right? From a hunk of, you buy, how are they going to call a, a chunk of aluminum, like a pistol at this point, 
And the answer is they will, you know, they will do their damnedest to find a way. So for all RFKs, you know, bitching and moaning, right? You know, he's going to try to, he's going to be the anti-freedom candidate at a freedom festival who won't let the participants, you know, carry their firearms anywhere near him because he's too good for that, right? I'm the politician. You bought tickets to this festival. Here's the rules of the festival. But because I'm here, we're going to change things while I'm here. Holier than thou motherfucker. I I think if he's invited as a speaker, um, you know, he sets his conditions and that's his right to set his conditions. If they don't like the conditions, they don't invite him. That's the same thing. A guy says, well, I'll I'll come if you pay me $4,000. And they say, oh, well, we can't, we, we, we don't want to. Okay, I don't come. I mean, that's just uh, yeah. the condition. I mean, you, you might say the same thing about, um, well, I, I've got a bladder problem. I wouldn't want to be able to have a, a toilet break after an hour of, uh, of sessions with you. Well, yeah. we, we can't arrange that. Okay, well, then I'll just go somewhere else. You know, and that's, I don't say anything nasty about it. I just say that that's his condition, either accept it or don't accept it. Right. So I hear what you're saying, and that's why there's contention, right? Because the people who like to carry their firearms around mm-hmm. have already purchased tickets, have already purchased campsites a year ago, yeah. right? under the assumption or under the contract that this is allowed at Porkfest, mm-hmm. right? And now they are being defrauded of their right to do so because the, the organizers allowed this politician to have his conditions met rather than just telling the politician to fuck off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is pork fest, bruh. If you want to speak, you speak under our conditions, not the other way around. If you want to so, reach out to the libertarian populace congregating in New Hampshire, right. You better fucking align yourself with libertarian ideals quick, fast, and in a hurry. Right. Is there, or fuck is off. There any, is there any way for them to actually uh, enforce that? Is it just one section of, or one area that he's speaking in? That yeah, we're going to find out. I mean, it's a like I said, it's a big campground, um, and he's he is on the pavilion. So how close can you get to the pavilion with your firearm? I I am hoping that there are activists that are going to test that boundary. Right. Yeah. So that that's so it might be totally absurd what he's asking for. Maybe he doesn't even realize what he's asking for. He's he, he's asking for uh, everybody maybe within in sight but outside of the pavilion to have a gun but but you know people near him won't have a gun guess what if you're in the pavilion and that's that's the range uh you are in firing range bro and it won't even matter and if you're afraid right you are in the probably the safest place you are ever going to be in the history of ever at this point right <laughs> because damn near everyone there Right, the, you know, a, a healthy percentage of people there are armed. Some concealed, some not concealed, uh, and and there's you know nothing bad really happens in that realm, right? Like there, there's there's no gun deaths in the history of Porkfest. I don't know, you don't even know if there's a negligent discharge uh, at all. There's gun training classes, right? There are people putting those on for for new, you know, the new shoots, so. It is, it is gun-friendly. It is freedom. It is the best example of positive anarchy you will find on the planet. And so far as, you know, uh, 
vendors show up and they vend what they can and you could buy what you want and you could use what you want. Uh, I know Captain Kickass said he's going to go there and he will take anything for his merchandise except Federal Reserve notes. <laughs> I'll take whatever crypto you want. I'll take whatever metals you want. I'll take gold backs. He'll take it all, right? And if you only have Federal Reserve notes, right, then you can fuck off and find someone to trade with first and then come back to me, right? This is, this is the place where you will find someone to sell you silver, sell you gold backs, sell you whatever it is you, you want, sell you crypto, and then you come back to me and we can, we can then trade. But don't, don't come to me with your Federal Reserve notes. And I thought that was beautiful as well. There's also going to be a drag queen story hour because that was a big deal, apparently. So now they're, you know, now they're putting on a drag queen story hour somewhere at Porkfest. Going to read the Tuttle Twins to whichever kids show up for that event. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. So, and that, again, that was drama. That was drama. Uh, amongst the conservative libertarians, right, and the left-leaning libertarians. Like, why would you subject the kids to drag queens? It's the freedom event. Well, you're not being subjected to anything. We're having an event. If you bring your kids, your kids will get a story told to them by, you know, by a transgendered individual. If you don't want them interacting with a transgendered individual, then fuck off and go to another event, right? Doesn't have to be complicated, but apparently, again, you know, there's... Always drama of some kind. Speaking of which, I guess you heard the news that Tracy Ryan had passed away. Yeah, um, I have not, and I don't recognize that name at all. So, she was the chair of the Libertarian Party of Hawaii. Oh yeah, see, I did not participate at all in Libertarian politics in Hawaii. I ignored it as much as you know, well, more so than I ignored the Libertarian Party here. It's more prevalent here, right? So I pay more attention to it, uh, but I don't participate at all. Couldn't, t- couldn't tell you the names of anybody uh, of, with any s- seat of power in the Libertarian Party, national or local. Mm-hmm. All right. We're at the end of the show. Any final thoughts? Um, no. no. All right. Thanks. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up then. That'll do it for us. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, it- or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. Go ahead, KS. I'd love to hear your headlines anyway. All right. And if you would like to contribute to the show, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. The headlines, uh, if you want to find them, find them on uh, Telegram, the, what I just said. Um, headline, welcome to Slow Jamistan, a micronation hidden in California. Uh, headline, 11 signs that our economic problems are accelerating a lot faster than people were anticipating. Uh, headline, the capitalists who fear capitalism. Uh, headline, why is it so hard for victims of police abuse to get justice? Uh, headlines, companies sh- shouldn't have the right to veto their competition. And finally, headline, why propaganda works. Uh, so again, check those out on Telegram if you want to read the full article. Uh, that'll do it for us. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.